Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. <laughs> Welcome in Tuesday, September 20th edition of the show. I am, of course, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And Winning Cures Everything is ready to roll because it is powered by BetUS. It is America's premier online sportsbook. Absolutely fantastic. Go and check it out. BetUS.com. BetUSTV.com as well for the college football show that I host. And we are rolling right now. Absolutely rolling 36-14 and 14 on our official plays so far this season. That is 72%. Just awesome. Just awesome. So make sure that you go over to BetUS TV or just click the link in the description. Very easy to do. Uh, if you've not already, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Winning Cures Everything, of course, whether that be on the podcast feed or on YouTube. YouTube numbers continue to grow. We certainly appreciate you guys for doing that. So share out the show. Tell your friends about it. We do this every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So make sure that you are right here, ready to roll, Every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And of course, the BetUS College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on that. Now, uh, we have got some things to discuss. First off, uh, the contest. Go over to winningcureseverything.com. Click on the contest. There's a link in the description. Just click the link. It's easier that way. So go ahead and knock that thing out. But I uh, I am under the weather. I am, I am not feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> but I will make this happen. We are going to make it work. I am stuffy. I am. It's the typical allergies, whatever part of the season. So uh, I'm going to try and do a shorter show today, but still get out all of the information that I typically do on Tuesdays. Tuesdays are usually a, a shorter show anyway, but there are some news topics for us to discuss. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, Arizona State fires Herm Edwards over the weekend. Now, this happened after our Sunday show, uh, we might need to start pushing that thing back. I, I know I do it at 9.30 in the morning, uh, Central Time. I might need to push that back 
in case there is any coaching news, because this is two straight weeks that I've had to wait until Tuesday uh, to talk about it. So regardless, Arizona State uh, knocks this thing out and, and goes on and dumps Herm, which it seemed a little early, but you had a feeling it was going to happen. And it was fairly evident once they went to Stillwater and lost, uh, that team did not have the same bounce back. They didn't have the same resolve to be able to handle Eastern Michigan. And cheers to Chris Creighton for going in and getting that dub. That team routinely plays well on the road, especially against Power 5 teams. Uh, Their record against the spread against them is just ridiculous. Uh, Did not expect a lot from Eastern Michigan this year, and yet they go in there, they get a dub. um, So now, you know, the mutual, quote-unquote, parting of the ways from Herm Edwards this it's strange you know obviously everybody saw the clip afterwards of him walking off the field and you know basically the pat on the lower back of yeah we're gonna have breakfast in the morning and you know what's coming like everybody knew that was a weird situation to begin with the press conference was strange when they first announced him he didn't know who the mascot was for the team it was just it was a weird weird situation and of course all the NCAA stuff going around the thing that I find the funniest is the fact that he got fired for losing to Eastern Michigan it wasn't all of the other things that were going on it was losing to Eastern Michigan which I guess you know if you just pile that on top of all the other stuff yeah probably pretty fireable but the fact that it was that that got him out of there is kind of bonkers at least to me so what I want to do today to start us off is kind of go through all of the different names here um, of people that are that have been brought up. The most fun part about this job specifically is the mass array of names that can come open for this job because you have to figure out what is the market for the job. What do people think about this, right? In the past, it has been viewed as possibly a sleeping giant. No, nobody's really done anything of note in 40 years there. Uh, they got the back end of Dennis Erickson. They did some good things there. Todd Graham did some good things there, I guess. Uh, but overall, now they're more known for uh, creating offensive coordinators that go on to better jobs, i.e. Mike Norvell and uh, Billy Napier, You know, <laughs> other than actually winning things in their conference. The recruiting obviously has gone completely downhill so they're going to have to get somebody in to be able to combat Jed Fish over at Arizona because what he's building looks to be exactly what Arizona State should have done before. Uh, Arizona under Rich Rodriguez had good seasons. There was a, that's a, that's excuse me that's Arizona. Uh, this all of this is just bonkers when you look at how this program is perceived by some. And how they have not been able to have success. Just routinely, no success. Uh, you think that they're going to do big things, and it just it, something happens. I mean, the, the 2021 season, uh, things that looked like a team that could compete for the Pac 12. And instead, yeah, I mean, you get the same old thing. It was a, a eight and four season. You know, it just not, not great, but regardless. Uh, we got to figure out what the market is because obviously you want to know whether this team will be in the Pac-12 or if they will be in the Big 12. Uh, what is the situation, right? How much money 
is going to be there? How much money can the university offer a coach? Uh, are you going to go out and get somebody big that would be willing to recruit, etc.? To me, uh, there are some retreads that, that might be able to work there, but for the most part, a school like this, you want an up-and-comer that isn't too worried about the money, that just wants an opportunity, that is going to go out and hit the recruiting trail, that is really going to do it big. But again, there are some retreads that might be able to work, that would be interested in doing that exact same thing, right? So let's uh, let's take a look at some of the names. Uh, the interim coach, by the way, Sean Aguano, running backs coach. Uh, I don't think that he's got a realistic shot at the job, but... I mean, if he's able to get these players turned around and whatnot, obviously I'm not a fan of, you know, hiring coaches based on what the current players think because those current players will not be there forever. I think I, I think we can cross him off the list. I think we can do that. Now, this is early. Obviously, he hadn't even coached a game yet. But we'll see. Uh, the first on the list, uh, Kalani Sataki. A lot of people talking about him. Why would you leave BYU that's going over to the Big 12 to go to Arizona State? BYU has let him build his program the way that he wants to build it. I, I think you're not going to get more money to go to Arizona State. So I think we can cross Sataki off the list. Uh, Alex Grinch, he is defensive coordinator at USC, has been with Lincoln Riley now for a little bit. He coached in the Pac-12 as a DC for Mike Leach at Washington State and did good things. Um I think he might have his sights set on something a little bit bigger because it, I will tell you, administrators seem to love this guy. I mean, he gets put up for every single big job that there is uh, and, and even not so big jobs, right? Like he, I think if he wants to be a head coach, there are certainly worse options than Arizona State. Uh, so that one, we'll, we'll circle that one. We will take Alex Grinch. All right, next one, Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator at Baylor. Does he have a lot of interest in being a head coach? If so, does he have a lot of interest in recruiting? Remember, he was with Kalani Sataki at BYU. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'm I'm not so, I'm not totally certain, but he he does kind of fit the mold of like you know, a uh, hard head football coach that is going to go out there and get the job done. Like he knows X's and O's. He understands how to build uh, the line of scrimmage. That's somebody that would be very interesting. Uh, but if you're Arizona State, you kind of want somebody with some flash, I would imagine. So uh, maybe we'll we'll circle him as well. Uh, Deion Sanders. Okay, Deion had some connections with some of the guys uh, that were either on the staff or formerly on the staff or whatever. I don't know that he would be super interested in this job. If you're going to get Deion Sanders, I would imagine you would need to look at schools like Auburn or Maryland or whatever, schools that have that Under Armour connection. Um, however, however, anything's possible. Uh, Dion, you know, has been interviewing for a lot of jobs. Obviously, I think he would like to take a Power 5 job. I don't think he's going to be able to get the Florida State job, uh, at least not anytime soon, unless Mike Norvell's season just goes completely down the toilet. But they've opened up 3-0. Everything seems to be... Uh, going in the right direction for Florida State. But Deion Sanders, this this he feels like the right kind of hire. I just don't think that he's going to be the guy for this job. Now, I've been proven wrong before, but regardless. Uh, Brent Brennan, San Jose State, widely, widely respected in the coaching community. I believe that he would be a good option 
uh, for them. Um, and that's another young guy. He's from Arizona. Obviously, he was over at, you know, UA. But uh, that's a guy that was kind of passed over for the Arizona job. Like, he might want to take the Arizona State job and show exactly what he could have done over at Arizona. They, he might have a chip on his shoulder. Let's say that. Speaking of a chip on their shoulder, Tom Herman, of course, former Texas coach, uh, he, you know, we talked about this in the offseason. He was announced as one of the analysts for CBS Sports Network. He was in the NFL last year. He's kind of getting back into the college side of things. He, he could do a lot worse than Arizona State. This seems like, you know, he was relentless on the recruiting trail. And, yeah, things did not work out at Texas, but he wasn't that bad at Texas. He was certainly better than what they had been. And there wasn't a whole lot of legroom. He he did not make the right people happy there. Uh, at Arizona State, if they just give him the football program and leave him alone, uh, yeah, he could absolutely do big things over there. Uh, so we'll circle him as well. Matt Rule is an interesting one from the Carolina Panthers, obviously former coach at Baylor. If he wants to get back into it, yeah, could the appeal of living you know, just outside of Phoenix be something that wants to draw him to this job? Yeah. I mean, where has he lived? He's lived in Philadelphia, coaching at Temple, and he lived at, uh, or in Waco, right? At Baylor. If the NFL game is not for him, and I would, I would not imagine that Arizona State is going to wait long enough to get Matt Rule because I don't think that they're going to fire Matt Rule uh, just in the middle of the year. I could be completely wrong about that. But if they fire him in the middle of the year, does he just immediately jump over and take this job? Eh, tricky, tricky situation because the timing doesn't always work out on those. Uh, Dan Mullen, no. you got to have somebody here that, that wants to recruit. Bottom line. Like, Dan Mullen might be perfect for, like, a G5 job where you can develop players. This doesn't feel like a developmental situation, uh, but we'll see. Todd Munkin, Georgia, uh, you know that he's been around Kirby. He knows how to recruit, et cetera. He was uh, pretty good at Southern Miss as a head coach there, but I mean, you got a good thing rolling at Georgia. I don't know why you would leave that for uh, this one. Um, let's see, Hugh Freeze? No. I don't think it fits. I don't think it works. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think anything about it. Although, uh, exciting offense and a recruiter, and so you never know. Brian Harson at Auburn, I think, could work. This could be the exit strategy, and I think that both sides would actually be kind of happy about this. Uh, they, with with what he did at Boise, that's easy to sell to Arizona State. It would have made even more sense for him to leave Boise State to go to Arizona State once upon a time. Right, and so that one would not be a terrible, terrible spot. Uh, Justin Wilcox at Cal, eh? You know, it, it, again, defensive guy. He would win. He, I think, he would be successful. Uh, you would certainly have more, more information, more uh, not information. What's the word? We'll get more finances, more support there. But I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. Um, I wouldn't. I would not roll with Justin Wilcox. Kenny Dillingham at Oregon. A lot of people have brought him up. Kenny Dillingham is really, really young. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up. I think he's 32, if I'm not mistaken. And Kenny Dillingham, while he does fit the mold of what you're looking for—young, exciting offense, etc.—he's 
Uh, I just, th- yeah, he's 32 years old. He is now the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Oregon. He was at Florida State with Mike Norvell. He was at Auburn for a season with Gus Malzahn. He was at Memphis with uh, Mike Norvell. I think he was actually at Arizona State for just a little bit. as maybe a GA or, let's see, yeah, offensive analyst, 2014-2015 at Arizona State. So, okay, like there's a tie there, I guess, but he's 32. This is his first time actually calling plays. I'm count me count me questioning. Uh, I don't think he'll be a first option. Sean Lewis, head coach at Kent State, young guy, uh, offensive system that works, that's exciting, guy that would go out and uh, absolutely, I mean, knock it out of the park in recruiting. Uh, certainly would roll with him. Uh, Gary Patterson, somebody mentioned him. No. No, this is a new age. Patterson won't work anymore. Uh, Blake Anderson at Utah State. Now, things are going poorly this season, but you want to talk about somebody with a lot of experience that has won basically everywhere he's gone now uh, that knows how to build a program? That's that's a guy who now has some of that West Coast experience uh, being out at Utah. And I say West Coast, but you get the point. You get the point. Um, yeah, there's there's interesting names out there for this one, but... Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm just curious which direction they're gonna go. What is the market value of this? I I got some I got all kind of questions on it. All kind of questions. Uh let's I'm not gonna hit on the hot seat this week. I'm gonna hold that over until probably Thursday, I guess. We'll see. We'll see what happens. This is a, a weird week. Uh the next topic that we're gonna hit here. Bedlam is done as soon as Oklahoma joins the SEC. Now, obviously you hate to see rivalries go away. And it's interesting to me that the sourcing for Brett McMurphy's story over at Action Network actually came from the Oklahoma State side. Uh, the AD, uh, Chad Weiberg, said, uh, "If uh, excuse me, it presents logical issues under our current scheduling structure. We don't have any openings to play them. We're full. Unless there are significant undertakings to make the game happen, it can't happen. The Oklahoma AD, Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma State has shown no interest to schedule any future games of football, so we are moving on with filling our future non-conference openings. Um, Now, don't get me wrong here. I, I would love to continue to see this game. But what this is saying to me and and let me make it clear, I do not blame them for this. Uh, Oklahoma State either is really, really mad about Oklahoma leaving without them, or just leaving, period. Uh, or two, this is an easy way to get that game off of your schedule to where you don't have to worry about it anymore. Like, it is, it is beneficial for Oklahoma to continue this series. Let's not get it twisted. I understand last year happened. Right, Oklahoma State won that game last year. But they have not won a lot of games in this matchup. Mike Gundy does not have a good record at all against uh, against Oklahoma at all. I mean, just it, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Like, this is, when you look at all the different 
games that they could schedule, Oklahoma State, that would be beneficial to them, especially when you're talking about making a playoff. Uh, yeah, it would make sense for them to not play this game. So this seems like, I mean, just read the quote again. It, playing Oklahoma presents logistic, uh, logistical issues under our current scheduling structure. What What is your current scheduling structure under uh, or with the Big 12? What is that? Right? Uh, he said, we don't have any openings to play them. We're full unless there are significant undertakings to make the game happen. It can't happen. Okay, I understand that your non-conference schedule is probably full. But the whole conference just got uprooted. I don't believe there's been an announcement made as to what the schedule looks like as far as the conference goes going forward. You've got three non-conference schedules. I, I would imagine the Big 12 is probably going to play nine conference games, but we don't necessarily know that because you're moving to 12 teams. So if you're moving to 12 teams, uh, you can play six division games and or just keep no divisions and just rotate. Like, there's no telling what they will end up doing with this. So, unless I've missed something, and you guys can fill me in on this, I would imagine that there is a way for them to continue this. But, regardless, it, it definitely would make more sense for Oklahoma State to want to get out of this game. Just saying. Now, that's I don't blame them for that, because, my gosh, uh, Oklahoma has been a juggernaut in that conference. But... Yeah, just saying, just saying. Uh, George Klyovkov sat down with the Canzano and Wilner podcast and uh, actually talked for a little bit. Uh, John Canzano right there on your screen, of course. Uh, he gave an exclusive interview to their podcast, and it was very interesting. But I'm, I'm very curious. If anybody believes all the things that he was talking about, uh, he mentioned that he believes that UCLA is going to lose money, not make it by going to the Big Ten. He he was excited about the Big Ten's new deal because obviously it means more money, but I, I do find that very curious because the more money that the Big Ten takes out of the market, the less there is for the Pac-12. So why would you be excited about that, right? All the stuff that he says... It, it sounds good. It looks good. It it certainly plays well to the Pac-12 fan bases. But it's it's definitely interesting. He, he is very confident, by the way, that the Pac-12 will not lose any of the 10 remaining conference members. So that's one thing. Um, he said, I think if schools would have left for the Big Ten, then they would have left for the Big Ten already. And he does have a very valid point. But I don't think it's the Big Ten that you have to worry about. Uh, it's. I mean, it's just weird. Uh, he he said, I'm 99.9% sure that the Pac-12 will end up with a ton of content on Amazon and or Apple or another streaming service. That's from Canzano. Uh, Klevkov said, certainly revenue is at the top of the priority list, but we also have to balance that against distribution. We really want our content to be available to any of our fans who want to see it. I've set a goal that our content should be available to any piece of glass connected to the Internet as part of our next media rights negotiations. Well, yes, that is absolutely the way that that should have gone, right? And we, we've talked about this a couple times on the show already. Uh, you need to find a way to get those games. Like, for example, USC and Oregon State is on the Pac-12 network this weekend. 
unless you have a streaming service that carries the Pac-12 network or a cable outlet, which there's not a lot of them that do, it is very difficult to watch that game. So we're going to be looking for updates, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you got to find a way to, to get eyeballs on your games, especially on your brands. So what is the easiest way to do that? Well, if USC at Oregon State was available on Amazon this weekend, well, yeah, there'd be a lot more people that are able to watch it. So, yes, that is certainly uh, next up. As far as Pac-12 expansion, he didn't make it sound like a certainty. Canzano uh, said, in fact, he didn't really say adding schools had even, be, uh, had even been talked about, at least formally. That is, it, it says get the media rights deal done first, then make conference expansion decisions, which does make sense because you want to talk to your partners and see, hey, if we add so-and-so, what does that bring to our value, right? How much, how much value does that add? So there's a lot of different things that you can look at. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, the way that he came at this interview, it was about 35 minutes. Go and listen to it, the John Canzano and John Wilner podcast. Good stuff. Those dudes always provide. Uh, after this, we are going to jump into the most watched CFB games of the week. I'm going to give you my five NFL Super Contest picks. And uh, I'm going to do a quick viewing guide, of course. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. All right. Uh, every week, I give you the top five most valuable CFB players of the week, at least from a PPA per play uh, standpoint, and that is predicted points added per play. Uh, starting off in the G5, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, 2.685 per. Uh, John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State, 2.036. Um, excuse me, 2.056. Da, 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 da. Uh, Malik Washington from Northwestern. Uh, 2.03. You got Jake Bobo from UCLA, the tight end. He had 1.953. And then Johnny Wilson from Florida State. Of course, he's like six foot seven. Dude was gargantuan. Uh, 1.747. He caught the game winning touchdown pass for Florida State. Uh, as far as the group of five goes, Caden uh, Prescorn, who's a tight end for Memphis, 1.938. Then you got Jar uh, Jacarius. Kasten from Southern Miss, 1.919. Sadur Treor from Arkansas State, of course, going up against Memphis. Uh, he was 1.842. Uh, 
uh, Jamari Thrash from Georgia State, 1.765, and then C.J. Johnson from East Carolina, 1.643. Those are your most valuable players of the week. Now, uh, the games that were the most watched, we go through this every single week, and you want to talk about another monster weekend? Uh, You had six games that hit over 3 million viewers average for the game. Uh, Penn State-Auburn on CBS was the most viewed at over 4, 4.054 million. Oklahoma and Nebraska on Fox did 3.414 million. Now imagine if that had actually been a close game. Same with Penn State and Auburn. I mean, those were two complete blowouts. Texas A&M and Miami, as boring as it was on ESPN, it was number 3 at 3.40 million. LSU and Mississippi State on ESPN, yes, that's right. LSU and Mississippi State uh, did 3.055 million. So, I mean, you you had just monster brands all over the screen on Saturday. Ohio State and Toledo. You want to talk about a blowout. I mean, Ohio State had 77 points on the board. Uh, won by 40-something, 50, whatever it was. Uh, 3.048 million people watched that on average. Just bananas. And Georgia and South Carolina on ESPN did 3.001 million viewers. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome if you ask me. All right, the Super Contest picks. I give them out every single week. Last week, the contest picks were 4-1 and one against the spread. Uh, I'm going to roll through these because I am, I am just about done with the day. So let me go ahead and roll through. I've got, oh, I was 4-1 and one against the spread last week. I am 6-4 and four thus far overall on the season. I was 2-3 and three to start off uh, in week one. So readjusted the power ratings, and here we go. Uh, Raiders minus 2.5 at the Titans. Titans on a short week coming back from Monday Night Football at Buffalo. Uh, the trends don't really favor the Raiders, but I like how this team looks this year. Uh, my line on this was 4.5. It's sitting at 2.5, so I took the Raiders at minus 2.5. Number two. The New Orleans Saints uh, to cover three. So they are a three-point favorite on the road at the Panthers. This Panthers team does not look good at all. New Orleans, 38-15 and 15 against the spread in their last 53 road games. They seem to play better on the road for whatever reason. Uh, New Orleans, 11-3 and three against the spread uh, on the road against losing teams. Carolina is in trouble here. I like the Saints to win this by about a touchdown. So I will take the Saints to cover three. Uh, 49ers at the Broncos. Yes, I know uh, the Trey Lance injury was difficult. Uh, Jimmy G came in and looked good getting the win and backup relief, of course. Uh, I think going to Denver, a tough task. No, this Denver team has not looked good, but Broncos are a one-point underdog at home. I actually have them favored by about two points. That is a field goal worth of value, and that is what I will take on this. I like the Broncos to win at home over the 49ers. The fact that they are already a dog... I will certainly roll with that. Number four, the Falcons plus one at the Seahawks. I think the Falcons should be favored in this game. So I've actually got them favored by a field goal here, and that's four points of value. I will certainly take that one. So Falcons plus one. And finally, number five here, Rams minus three and a half at the Cardinals. The Cardinals, uh, yes, I understand. Everybody loves how they looked at the end of the game against the Raiders and everything, and Kyler Murray was flying, and yes, I get it. Uh, this Rams team, I believe, is going to go in and kind of push along Cliff Kingsbury, right? I, I think that they handled this game in a way that the Raiders were not able to, and 
I, I think the Rams will certainly cover three and a half here. Uh, my line on it is actually six and a half. So, field goal worth of value. Um, if I've got them by a touchdown uh, and the line is three and a half, like something something's messed up. So we'll we'll see how accurate my power ratings are on this. But uh, but the Cardinals, I mean, it, yes, they came back and won, but that was not an overly impressive game from them. I will say that not an overly impressive game. Uh, we'll move along. And let's uh, let's take a look at our viewing guide for the week. I'm not going to spend long on this one. At Thursday night, um, I'm not even going to go through. I know this is a weird show. My apologies to you guys. I am just I'm struggling, uh, but we're going to make it. West Virginia and Virginia Tech is the game that will be on my main TV on Thursday night. I will have Coastal and Georgia State on one of the side TVs, but... Uh, but West Virginia and Virginia Tech, I, I'm still curious exactly what these two teams are. So Virginia Tech, I think, should be 3-0. and West Virginia is two plays away from being 3-0 and as well. So who is going to make the mistakes, or will there be ma- uh, mistakes made? If there's not, who's the better team? So I'm, I'm curious. I want to see JT Daniels. I want to see if, uh, if Wells, Grant Wells, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, has really cleaned up the turnover bug. Because he threw four interceptions in week one and hasn't thrown a single one since. So, I'm very curious about that. On Friday night, Virginia and Syracuse will be on my main TV. Now, Nevada Air Force, I think that's going to be a blowout. Boise at UTEP, I think that's going to be a blowout. Syracuse-Virginia could be a blowout. And it could be a blowout in favor of Syracuse. Uh, I, I really like Syracuse's defensive line. Um, I'm I'm very curious just how how bad is that offensive line for Virginia? That's what I'm curious about. All right, moving along to Saturday. The game that will be on my TV at noon on the main TV will be TCU at SMU. I think there are going to be just explosive fireworks, just bananas. Because remember, Sonny Dykes is headed back to Gerald J. Ford Stadium uh, for the first time since becoming TCU's coach, since he left SMU. How are those players going to react to him being back is this going to be you know it, it's already a pretty intense rivalry anyway and TCU went and hired the rivals head coach yikes uh, there, there could be fireworks here uh, Duke and Kansas will be on one of the other ones and I do want to see Baylor at Iowa State now I've got a bet in on uh, on Clemson and Wake Forest so I will have that on one of the screens as well but yeah, Baylor at Iowa State could be very interesting. Duke at Kansas, of course, could be very interesting. But the main TV is going to be TCU at SMU. Uh, as far as the 3.30 hour, uh, the 3.30 time slot, Florida at Tennessee is probably going to be up there because I want to see what Florida can do. Uh, can Tennessee really cover 11 here? Uh, that's that's what I'm curious about. Oregon at Washington State could be a whole lot of fun. Just a, just a ton of fun. Oregon kind of showed up last week at home, but now... Bo Nix on the road, kind of known as Bo Picks. Uh, we'll see what Washington State's able to do with him. Notre Dame at North Carolina, uh, I, I'm very interested there. Very interested in that one, but we'll we'll see. Uh, Minnesota at Michigan State. Can Minnesota run on Michigan State? Like, I imagine that they can, but I'm also curious. I mean, these are two teams that want to be able to run the football and two defenses that can stop the run. So who scores? Like I would probably lean, I'd probably lean an under in this game. But uh, regardless, we talked about it on the uh, on the Bait U.S. College Football Show. So, uh, Wisconsin at 
Ohio State will be the 7.30 time slot for me, um, at least early. And then we'll move over to Kansas State at Oklahoma. One of the side screens, Arkansas at Texas A&M. This has the potential to be really exciting or really, really boring. I'll probably be moving games around on my main screen. Uh, Just a guess. Just a guess. Iowa at Rutgers could get very, very ugly. (laughs) It could. Look, Rutgers could be without their top two quarterbacks in this game. Doing that against Iowa's defense, yeesh. Not interesting. Not not great at all. Uh, and then, of course, the late-night games. Uh, Utah at Arizona State, I really have no interest at this point. Wyoming at BYU, no interest. Although Wyoming has certainly bounced back after a dreadful week one. Um, I think I'm actually going to be watching Stanford at Washington. I think Stanford, other than the turnovers against USC, really showed up pretty well. I don't think that this is a bad team. Uh, can Washington do it two weeks in a row? Obviously, last week was a bit of a reawakening for the Husky crowd. I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see what they're going to do here. So, can can they show up against Stanford? That's what I want to know. Uh, other than that, you know, if I could watch USC and Oregon State, I would. But I do not have the Pac-12 network. So, I will be keeping up with that on whatever game app. So, that is the way that it goes. All right. Week show today. My apologies. I'm giving y'all all I got. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle these times. All right, go to BetUS. Go to BetUSTV.com. Um, check out the college football show. I will be back at them again on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So go and check that out. Make sure that you sign up for the Pick'em Contest. We've had three winners. Uh, we have given out $25 Amazon gift cards. And, of course, if you have an account over at BetUS, you can get free play over there as well. You'll just have to hit me up about it in the email uh, or on Twitter as well. But, uh, but yes, yeah, sign up for the contest. We got that thing ready to go. So go ahead and do that. Uh, BetUS, and I think that's going to do it for today. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, all that good stuff. I am out of here. You guys take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.